choke me, daddy. Oh, wait. Did that say, <laughs> I say that out loud? Oh, that got, that got nice. This week in fetishes. Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, JB, and Danny Oakstad. Hello and welcome, Magic Folk, to episode number 79 of This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We are your hosts, I'm Matt Olson. Up there we have Danny Oakstead. What's up? And over there, we have the Janky Boggle himself, JB. Yeah. And we got some news and stuff to tell y'all this week. Not as exciting as last week, but there's still news. Magic news. All the magic news needed. That's good. But before we jump into that, we got to tell you about our amazing sponsor, Now, before we jump into that podcast, let's give you a breakdown of this episode. As always, JB is going to take you guys to his pleasant little boggle desk where he's going to tell you about events that have happened and will be coming up. From there, we have Blogatog from Universes Beyond Complaining. We got a class action lawsuit. We got also Boom Boom News and Historic Anthology News and Modern Horizon 2 News. So stick tuned for all of that. Then after that, we're going to jump to the finance section. From there, we have a special deck of the week. Danny is going to be telling us about his Commander Mono Green Elf deck. No, I'm not telling you anything. You guys are asking questions and I'll answer them. I'm not telling you anything, though. And then after that, y'all can go home. I think that breakdown is uh I think the breakdown is done. I think that's one of your better ones recently. For sure. Shots fired. I don't know what I did. I honestly don't know what I did to make that one my best one, but it sounded nice. It was clean, concise. Um that's what you did to make it one of your better ones. Straight to the point. Oh man. Before straight to the point. Or before we start the episode off. All right. We have our monthly giveaway to announce now. We have some cards. For our lovely patrons, Danny, JB, who's going to do the quick Patreon pitch as I pull up a number generator? I did it last time. Nose goes. Your nose ain't on. Sorry, JB. I did it last time, sir. (laughs) We're on a rotating basis. When have we been on a rotating basis? That has never been a thing. (laughs) Since I said so. It's a a match show. (laughs) We're just here for the laughter and keep making sure the show keeps going on. Exactly. Well, we now have a Patreon, so if you guys enjoy the content that we make and want to help support us as we start to make more content in the future, head over to Patreon. Link's in the description down below for that. But we have a couple tiers right now where the first tier is you get once a month you're putting in a drawing to win a pack, a random pack that we'll send to you. And right now, we are now going to randomize it to see who the first winner is of this pack. And congratulations 
D. Moose won the pack. You get a pack of Kel, a stand or a, a set booster of Keldheim. So that's what you Solid. get when you're in the first tier. You get put into a, a random drawing to win a pack. And then the next tier is our uh, is our uh, Draco Genius ten dollar tier where you get put in to win a card valued between fifteen to twenty dollars. And this the uh, launching month. The camera's really far away. I can't hold it to the camera. I'm sorry if you're watching on Twitch. <laughs> is Infernal Tutor the judge promo? And now, let us hit that random generator to see who wins this card. <laughs> JB, your dad is going to be so happy. <laughs> D Moose won the card as well. If you couldn't tell, we don't have many patrons. So, this is a great chance for you to actually jump in for next month, knowing that we don't have many. Your odds are significantly increased at this point. And Demus, okay, Demus, if you're in the chat, let us know. <laughs> and uh, congratulations. And if you're listening to this episode afterwards, congratulations still. The Patreon thing is done. To the Boggle Desk we go. All right, so first up, we've got some past results to talk about, and it looks like we had an SCG qualifier number one for the Strixhaven Championship, and it looks like it was taken down by, God, I'm going to butcher this name, Claudini Brazil Jr. I mean, that's and, that's what I would have said, too, so. Right. <laughs> So sorry Sorry if I butchered your name. (laughs) So it looks like he was running a uh, Jess guy cycling deck with a Lurus companion. Uh, One thing quickly to mention about this, that this isn't the typical cycling deck of past where they just threw in a bunch of the random one, one drop cyclers. They're all spells that you can actually cast. Like they're keeping. So it's like if they want to have a a footfall craters, they can actually cast a footfall craters. They're not having that black uh, hand, discard from your hand spell and stuff in there just to get one drops. And it has um, probable alliance in here. Right. I was looking at that. That's actually kind of cool. I like that. That is a solid addition because, you know, you're cycling. You're easily going to be drawing two cards each turn. So it's like on each of each turn that you have, so your turn, your opponent's turn, you cycle twice. Well, you cycle once on your turn. You cycle twice on your opponent's turn you're going to be making a fairy and that's just blockers for days and attackers like yeah that's pretty solid it was just interesting to see that it's you know more more able to it, it doesn't have those that those black spells in there so you can actually cast everything mm-hmm. no it actually looks like a pretty sweet deck i like it yeah there's now, is this in order yeah this is in order yeah as we go down Yes, yes it is. Okay, good. It says, it says second place. Read the page. Uh, RTFP. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> RTFP. Okay, so we had second place, we had Demir Rogues with Allure's Companion. Okay, so then I guess it jumps to fourth place. They only showed us three decks on here, so. And then it looks like fourth place, we had Naya Adventures with a Gigantha Companion. So it looks like it's... Just nothing but companion decks, huh? Companion decks are good still, even with uh, the rule change. And the Naya Adventures is very potent. All the pro players have been talking about it. 
the biggest thing with this is showdown of the skulls and actually there's no ember cleave in this deck which is kind of interesting uh and there's no ember cleave in the side actually either so it looks like rounding out the top eight we had i'm assuming that's snow since there's a snowflake behind it uh got a two mono red aggros and i'm guessing it's gonna be a snow base Right. Why else would they have a snowflake behind it? I mean, right. It has the educated guest frostbite and the faceless havens is what right. really makes those the really makes those decks tick. And then we got another Jeskai cycling. Uh, this one without Luris, Teamer adventures, and then a Yorion Saltai ramp. So companions are still alive and well. Might as well if your deck has them. It's like, what are you losing just putting in the site? Like with Nia adventures, it's like, oh, none of the. None of the pips are the, you know, doubling up and stuff. So, done. So, moving on, we had a modern showcase challenge. And it looks like we had Canadian Ninja took first place with what looks like Niv Mizzet deck. Niv to light. Yes. Good stuff. Not really. I hate playing against this. And it's a Yorion variant, too. Right, that yeah. Seems to be, yep, the Orion variant seems to be picking up a lot of pace. And it just allows you to be able to have more hits as well in the deck, having, you know, more cards because, you know, now they do have um, three Abrupt Decays and Assassin's Trophies in the main and stuff. So it's like you can pack more, pack more uh, versatility into this I like deck. The, I like the Four of Kai's Guile. I like that. I'm just I really, surprised that I card really hasn't like seen much card. play before. Right? I really like that card. It's very versatile. It does everything you want it to. Like, early game, like, three mana to choose two, but then, like, into the late game, which is not super hard for this to be ramping out to seven, having seven mana at some point to be able to get something with everything. Right. Since second place, we had just a standard Amulet Titan. On to third place, we have... Looks like a Selesnia Heliod company deck. How often do they run? Like, Archangel of Thune seems like a new new tech in this, right? I haven't seen this deck in a while, but is Archangel of Thune something that they add in? Or is this just like a new a new thing to try out here? Uh, I, th- I think it basically just doubles down on your... Inf- it, they're doubling up on the in- in- infinite... Because you know how Heliod goes infinite with Spike Feeder, right? Right. It's just but so it's just like Angel does the same thing. It just gives everything else boost too, besides your Spike Feeder. Yeah, and they do only have. Do they typically run a Singleton Walking Ballista? I mean, I imagine yeah. Since it's a, uh, a four click to company deck, you don't want to be hitting a Ballista yeah. off that. Well, and then you got your Ranger Captain, which tutors your Ballista. You know. All that fun stuff. I like that there's an Archon of Ameria in the sideboard. I like that there's two Wheel of Sun and Moon in there. That's something you don't see that often. Right? I've thought about running it just for mill, but we don't have enough mill in our meta, so that's why I haven't really done anything. Uh, Then I like that there's three Damping Spheres. So fourth place. Looks like another Selesnya-Heliod combo. This one's got two ballistas, though. And no Archangel of Thunes. Yeah, I was supposed to say no Archangel of Thunes. This, this instead doing Arbor Elf Utopia Sprawl as a way to ramp up. 
They also got a scavenging ooze, too. Ooh, two chokes in the sideboard. Choke is always a good one. The, right. They got they got their fourth Skyclave apparition in there. Also running three damping spheres in the side. Mm-hmm. Two Eidolon rhetorics. There we go. That's the that's the uh, the storm storm one. They were expecting storm this weekend in the showcase challenge. Right, something like that. So on to fifth place. Looks like we just got your uh, regular old, regular old uh, Boros. Good old Boros burn. Eidolons, yep. Goblin guides, Swift spears, lava spikes, rift bolts. Skewer the critics. Skullcrack in the main. Definitely going to be dink stomping on the uh, Heliod combo decks. Right. I've seen a lot of Skullcrack in the main, though, honestly. And I hate to see it. Hate to see it. Also, another thing that the, um, people have been running with these, whether it's, you know, Prowess, Burn, um, you know, just straight up aggros, they've been running instead of Skullcrack. Um, that new, what is it, that Roiling Vortex? Yeah, from uh, Zenikar Rising, the enchantment. Yep, because then not only is it is it pinging them for damage every turn, but you can activate it to, to you know prevent life gain. Right. Which is really stupid. I, I I hate when they drop that thing against me. Yeah, a good a good source of continuous damage is not a bad thing to have. So I can I can see the vers- the, the reason to have that. Right, and it's 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 basically a skull crack that sticks around. You know, you can shut off life gain. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. For for a pretty low cost each turn. It's ridiculous. I'm surprised that it hasn't been it hasn't caught on more. Ooh, they got core firewalkers in the sideboard. That's actually kind of interesting to to think about it. Definitely to right? not want definitely want that to be going uh citing that in against, you know, the mirrors. Right? That's interesting. Three rest in peace, too. Okay, so on to sixth place, we have Is It Prowess. This is the deck that I want to make. You would. Hey, I need a, I need an aggro deck. You have it. You have Infect. I need another aggro deck. <laughs> yeah, uh, Is It Prowess highlighting the spirit dragons and storm wing entities that kind of make this its thing. Gut shots, lava darts, metamorphose, mutagenic growth. So yeah, makes it super good. You get a couple cheap spells and then free spells and get a Stormwing entity way sooner. And that thing is a little hard to kill, and it can duke it out pretty well in combat. It's a lot hard to kill. I do like the sideboard in this a lot more than I think. Like It has two Bedlam Revelers. And it has two Kozilek Return. Kozilek's Return, if I'm not, was a big card in red decks in Pioneer. So it's crazy to see that it's now shown up in, or it showed up in this uh, modern challenge. So uh, Kozilek's Return, red to instant void. So this card has no color. It deals two damage to each creature. And then whenever you cast an Eldrazi creature spell with converted mana cost seven or greater, you may exile Kozilek's Return from your graveyard. If you do, Kozilek's Return deals five damage to each creature. So, I don't know if you guys notice, there's no Eldrazi in this thing at all. Nope. So it's just a three-drop deal two damage to everything. And my question is, counterpoint of why this could be something else. There's that um, uh, Smash the Weak, Smush, in Keldheim, 
live live uh, scryfall search here real quick so I can figure it out because I think that thing is a little better maybe. Let's see. Color red. I mean, instant speed is probably going to be the thing that makes it super good. So let's see. Because I can't remember if this one is instant or not. There it is. Crush the weak. Yeah, it's sorcery speed. That's why. Crush the weak deals two damage to each creature. If a creature dealt damage this way, it would die this turn. Exile instead, and it's foretell. Same mana cost. So two and a red, but then foretell for one. Probably, yeah, the instant speed is what makes that really good. Yup. I could have told you that. <laughs> and so you just let me go on that whole rant for no reason? Yeah, oh, yeah. basically. The audacity. Okay, so, players get. Right? Yeah, that's exactly what they get. So, on to seventh place. A deck after my own heart. We have uh, Yorion Green White Taxes. Don't forget that it has the Stoneforge package in there. Mm-hmm. Because that's not a thing that typical D&T decks have, right? Like they just... Uh, usually they do have the Stoneforge package. Oh, do they? Yours just doesn't yeah, have the Stoneforge package then, huh? No. Uh, well, not my green-white. My green-white doesn't. But my mono-white does. Gotcha. Because I wasn't... I was running poor man taxes because I couldn't afford the stone forges. And now I'm slowly picking them up. So that's why. So Shalai is just in here. Uh, is It's just for protecting your board, right? Yeah, pretty much. I'm assuming so. Not to let your Arbiters uh, or your uh, Archon of Amirias to get lightning bolted. Right, just trying to save your pieces. Uh, it looks like... It's also a pretty good late game mana sink. Right. Six mana to get a plus one counter on each creature you control. Mm-hmm. Got noble hierarchs in it. Three Archon of Marias. Two Eternal Witnesses. Oh, I just realized that this is a Yorion variant. Yeah, I said that right away. Oh, did so, you? I, I missed that. Yeah. Just right over my head on that one. Right? Imagine <laughs> that. And it's also got four Oath of Nisses. Haven't seen that before in, in these style decks, so that's kind of interesting. And it looks like main board, equipments, batter skull, maul the skyclaves, and sword of fire and ice. And it so, looks like that's the only equipment. They don't even have any equipment in the sideboard. And usually they'll have one or two swords in the sideboard. Now they're just confident enough with those in the in the main, I guess. Right. Sideboard has got some Ariok champions, core firewalkers, scavenging oozes, which I usually play my main board just because I love scoos. Some Gadok Teagues, Phyrexian Revokers, and then your Yorion Companion. No, it's a pretty solid deck. I like it. I like it a lot. You know, the, the D&T uh, Discord server that I'm in has actually been a buzz lately with, you know, the Yorion variants. I think it might be worth toying around with with mine. I mean, what do I got to lose? Yeah, because it resets your Skyclaves, resets your Stoneforge, Get you more Flicker Wisp triggers as well, Ewit. Mm -hmm. I can rebounce your Oath of Nyssa. So yeah, I mean, enough value is clearly in this deck for it to be a Yorian variant. Right. And then finally we have 8th place. Uh, another Heliod Company deck. Except for it looks like this one's got uh, two Aladomri's Calls in it. A more surefire way to pull out them Walking Blistas. Yep, just another way to help um, dig out your combo pieces. It's got a force of vigor in the sideboard, though. 
I do like that. And I'm guessing the deicide is for the mirror. Yeah, to exile and enchantment. I saw that earlier up in the other uh, ballista deck, if I'm not mistaken. Right, but it takes it. It literally surgicals the heliods. Right. Right, which is definitely oh. a big thing, and it's two the, mana for this. Right, and that's the only the only reason I could see them running a deicide is for the mirrors, because nothing else is really running any, you know, nothing high up in the in the metas is really running any of the other gods, are they? Not that I can think of. Definitely not. Nothing that's shown up in here is right. is doing that, because yeah. I can't even think of like the next best god to use. Right. The only other one I could think of was Thassa, but you still really haven't seen that that much. Yeah, taking a look through all the potential gods to use. I mean, maybe if ooh, this could be something like if Halvar decks become a thing because they're I don't know, maybe they're too slow. But oh, uh, also it's not going to hit it. Hits Halvar's a... the Kaldheim gods are not enchantments, sir. Oh, it is not. Yep, so never mind. It would Does, have to be all the Theros gods. Yep, so yeah, no. Oh, Clothos. Clothos. Mm. Nugs them. That's important. Yep. Forgot about Clothos. Because, yeah, I mean, the, the Heliod-Sun combo isn't really caring about the graveyard, but the continuous two damage, use it for there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like a bad thing. But, uh Yeah. So yeah, that rounds out your top eight of your uh, modern showcase challenge. That's pretty good. Very nice. So then on to our upcoming events. We have another CFB Pro Showdown coming up on March 13th at 9 a.m. Pacific. The end boss is going to be Reed Duke. Let's see. So for those of you who don't know, it's run on uh, Melee.gg, Discord, and Arena. You get a prize pool of $1,000. Yeah, you're winning a prize pool of $1,000 CFP credit. It's only for CFP Pro subscribers. Free to enter. I don't know why Matt doesn't enter them. Yeah, I got to do that. Maybe I'll do this. Let's see. Uh, it's 9 a.m. Pacific. 9 a.m. Pacific. They're three hours behind us, right? Uh, Pacific, two. I believe, two, two. hours They're ahead. Two yeah, two hours behind us. Yeah, it'd be cutting it close. And then on top of that, I wouldn't be able to do uh, League this Saturday then. It'd be worth it because we haven't really been firing that much anyway. Fair. I'll give it a shot. I'll uh, hurry just start up. earlier. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Just start earlier. You'll Done. Be fine. So it's single elimination event. Format standard. The $1,000 uh, prize pool will go to the top eight. Winner goes on to face the final boss, which is Reed Duke. If they defeat the final boss, they'll double their prize. They're going to be streaming it on Twitch. So, yeah, go check it out. If you're not going to enter it, watch it on Twitch. Should be a good time. And it looks like we also have a Strixhaven Qualifier Weekend on Arena this weekend. Format's going to be Phantom Sealed. Meaning you don't keep the cards. Right? That's kind of cool that they're uh, doing a sealed qualifier. I like that. Right. And the qualifiers get you prepped up for uh, the... Championship Weekend. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> And let's see, the championship weekend for it. Uh, it doesn't look like it's scheduled yet, so 
at least according to the magic.gg schedule it only goes up to may and they don't have the the championship they have the Kel- oh but it's for the yeah no it's not for the the Keldheim championships the end of this month but the strict saving one's probably going to be sometime in june right which they don't have uh the dates yet for well shocks right and moving along last but not least fnm at home this week is historic so i guess we'll pass it off to danny see if we have any bnrs nope we do not i, I don't foresee any bnrs for a while right yeah i don't think we're gonna have anything um, for a while they just did a pretty pretty band heavy one yep I don't know if you guys have been listening to any of the talk in the community and stuff, but for modern, people are pretty happy with how modern's looking right now. You know, aside from the Adnaz, Adnaz players, right? They no. sound they they sound a little salty still, right? No, but I mean, modern is in a pretty decent place right now. It's there's a lot of diversity going on right now. Everything's still kind of shaking out after the band still. So, right, and then you get to see. I mean, Heliod Combo is still clearly showing or putting up good results in the challenges. So, something to say, yeah, because that got nothing knocked off of uh, of that list. Mm-hmm. Two card combo. So, yep. one of the other has to be banned, and neither of them are banned. And I don't think either of them are going to be banned. Yeah, they're not that hard to deal with. Or that combo. So yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, it sucks. There, it, it, but it's not so hard to interact with that it needs to be banned you yeah know, there's there's ways around it there's ways to deal with it it's mm-hmm. so this week i am going with this blog talk from sw mystery 27 in regarding to universe universe beyond um i would like to say as politely as i can that wizards does not seem to have a lot of public empathy for people who are happy with this move I would have no problem if there was some way to opt out all of the Godzilla skins, but as someone who plays only Commander, there isn't, there isn't unless I want to turn away everyone who comes to my table with a Warhammer deck. I want to ex, I don't want to exclude anyone, and I don't want to play against outside IP cards. What am I supposed to do? So Mark gives a pretty lengthy response. Yes. Which I think is gonna be a lot. This is gonna be the answer to a lot of people's questions about Universe Beyond and what their feelings are. So before I get too far down the road or the rabbit's hole, let's just go to Mark. Say, Mark replies back. I'm empathetic. Whether uh, whenever we announce anything, I'm I'm often the focal point for players' response because my role is spokesperson. I hear the pain of the Universe Beyond announcement has caused some players. As head designer, one of my main goals is making players happy. So hearing that actions hearing that actions we're taking are making some people unhappy is something I very much care about. It's not something I take lightly. Here's my problem. I can't make something for players who want it and not make it for players who want to play a format that includes all of the cards. But I don't want to play but don't want to play against it. Those two things contradict one another. But wait. I'm sure some of you are saying that there are two ways we can do that. Let's walk through those two suggestions. One, um, so first, as you mentioned above, is alternative skin art that we use for the Godzilla cards, where every card had an alternate magic verse version. That option both isn't practical if we're making if we're making any more than a handful of cards 
Having to make an alternative magic equivalent is not an insignificant amount of work, uh, especially when we're talking about an entire product, and it doesn't prevent my opponent from playing another IP against me issue that you're stressing is so important. Second, is this alternative border option that we did with My Little Pony. That worked with My Little Pony because the cards were designed to be silver border. That is, they didn't work within the constraints of the black bordered rules. The reason to isolate them is easier to do because they don't work like normal. It's a lot harder to make cards that mechanically work within the normal constraints of the game. Just say, nope, you can't use them. That would make a whole whole host of other players, one our data says is much larger group, unhappy. Our philosophy as a, as a people who make the game is that we create cards that we think players will enjoy. And not every player has to enjoy every card. And let, and let the players sort out what they want to play with. When we get the tension of, of some players would like this and some players would not like this, we lean towards making it possible. Making it because players have agency, agency to choose how they play. This is one of the challenging things for the most popular format using all the cards. There are consequences of having access to everything, and one of them is the person you're playing against has access to everything, even things you don't like. So, we are empathetic. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's practical things we can do to address the issue. And blog talk. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. So looking over the blog talks for the last couple weeks since Universe Beyond has been announced, it's basically been the same issue from everyone or select few. Like I've said this before, if you have an issue with cards, Commander is a tabletop format. Within your playgroup, make your own ban list. If you just want to play with your magic set only, say no IP, only magic cards. Go for it. Who cares? It's a tabletop game meant for four to however many people you want to play with. And that's it. It's a tabletop game, guys. It's not like they're forcing IP games or IP cards into modern or standard. It's literally commander and one of the biggest things with commander is you have you know everyone preaches about the rule zero topic the rule zero to talk about what kind of game that you're all expecting to play you know that's that's been a big thing since before because you know people were always getting dink stomped because uh some person is like yeah let's all play magic and then they break out their tier one stacks deck and the other person that came in with their tier seven Timmy tap damage deck. And, and yeah, wizards needs, I, I do, I do believe when they say that wizards is empathetic towards the people that don't like this product, but they do care more about the, their, the larger group because the, the community as a whole is more than the voices of a few or whatever that saying is. And it's all—it's always this is kind of the thing that happens almost every time when wizards announce something new and different that they're trying doing because you know there were the I'm pretty sure we had a couple blogatogs back when Akoria came out where they were like you can't do this with the Godzillas it's not magic and stuff yeah the there's always going to be the people who are opposed against something that will scream loudly. You know, if every 
other people who are fine with it, you know, they're going to be more content and like, what do they got to say besides Bravo Wizards? I like this. I have seen a bunch of that said as well that they like the idea of universes beyond them being able to potentially have a Lord of the Rings draft or sealed event and and things like that. It's I the, the it's more important not more important. There's more people that are fine that are okay with this than there are that are not. And it and it's definitely I really I really feel for Mark because he always he's always the person. It's true. He's he is the the mo- gopher that gets smacked with the hammer every time something happens with Watsi. Yeah. Well, it, it all goes back to Wizards of the Coast is a business. They're making business moves to grow their fan base. Not really fan base, but their consumer base. Mm-hmm. It's like if they have if they if they bring in Lord of the Rings, okay, well, more often than not, those who are in Lord of the, like fans of Lord of the Rings are a fan of magic or D and D or something along those lines of the fantasy realm, but it's those who are, I don't know, I've never played Warhammer 40k, but then any of the future things where we've, like, we were just talking about, like, hey, Power Rangers possibly could become one, or Harry Potter can possibly become one, or any other pop culture uh, franchise can become part of the, the universe beyond magic. It's exactly that. It's the universe beyond. If if you have a hissy, if you're playing a hissy fit card over this, stop playing cards. Right. Like just I mean, playing magic if you're that upset with it. There's no matter what they do, there's always gonna people be people in this game that are gonna complain about something. I mean, well, look yeah. look at how many people you have that are complaining about each new set that's coming out. Yep. You know, this is the end they're, of they're Wizard. Just, this is the end yeah. of Magic. Oh yeah. God, what did they it's, print? It's every new set that comes out, and it's all these stuffy old people with all their reserved list cards, and it's like, yep. you know what, that's fine. Then just stick to your old reserved list formats. Play your old school. Play your vintage. Do whatever. Play with the cards that you want to play. Guess what? Let everybody else have fun with these cards then. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're printing them. Just because they print a card doesn't mean you have to play it. We're not forcing you to play with these cards. If you don't want to play with them, that's fine. You don't play with them. Doesn't mean you gotta go up in arms and create riots and go, oh, they shouldn't be printing this stuff and blah 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 blah. At the end of the day, Wizards is a business, they need to make money. They're trying to appeal to people. Universes Beyond is just another way to try to appeal to the fan base, plus bring in new players. Yep. You know, every new thing they bring in with Universes Beyond is gonna bring in new players. You know, with Lord of the Rings, Warhammer, you're gonna get people that are hardcore Lord of the Rings fans hardcore Warhammer fans that are going to start looking at magic now. And they're going to think, okay, this is fun. Let's get into magic now, too. Let's add this into our rotation. You're you're bringing in new people. Plus, you're also appeasing, you know, the, the people that are already playing. Because me, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. I think it's cool. I like this. I think it's a cool, cool move that they're doing. I think at the end of the day, like, for me, it would be extremely cool that magic's more of a household game that people talk about and if it involves bringing lord of the rings in because there's so many families that are you know the 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 lord of the rings family they have their lord of the lord of the rings movie marathons that they do or if you know 
don't know if this is true or spe- again this now this is speculation here if like a harry potter set gets made you know there's a family there's always the family that's like harry potter orientated so how cool would that be like they are now more familiar with like magic uh symbols and stuff and like for us we have like we wear magic clothes and so that just sparks a conversation when we're walking down the street it's just like hey you play magic i got the the warhammer 40k set or you know, it's just bringing more people into like maybe this is the the 4D chess move here. I don't know. Like this little <laughs> little side tangent on this. Maybe this is the 4D chess move that Wizards is working on to get more people to come to an LGS because yes, they're going to be having their direct con- to consumer sales still continuing with secret layers and whatever this next phase is, this next gimmick that they're doing that they mentioned in their uh, investor call uh, a couple weeks ago. But an LGS is still needed. So what if this, like having more different products, is a way for that to be? That's that's tinfoil hat maybe. But I, I, I revert back to it'd be cool just to be walking down the street randomly seeing somebody or, you know, going to when we could start going more publicly to places and interacting with more people that like magic. You know, you see or they, they come up to you it's like yeah i got into it through lord of the rings or warhammer i don't know it is it seems like the right thing for a company that makes games to be doing right yeah like i said wizards is a business it's just a business move that they're making they've already started this they're just announcing that it's become more of a primary thing that they're going to use as a side set Every secret layer that they've done so far, not all of them, but they've already had Universe Beyond secret layers that are part of this Universe Beyond, The Walking Dead. Yep, yep. Um, They're just going to start making more of them. Yeah, it's going to be, it could possibly be five to six cards, or I don't know if they're going to make a full set eventually of one, but it's just a few cards. And if you don't like playing against them or playing with them, just don't play with them. Rule it's easy zero. as that. Yep. It ultimately comes down to because they're going to be legal in all eternal formats, which is mainly Commander, you know. And Commander, you make up your own rules. Just like we have a rule that Matt can't play Bruvec. <laughs> and in fact, life is 15. <sighs> yes. We here at This Week in MTG are business sympathetic and rule zero sympathetic. Or uh, rule mm-hmm. zero uh, champions. Right? Yes. That's, yeah. Rule rule zero champions and business sympathetic. Exactly. Because nobody likes that toxic person that just brings nothing but super crazy tier one CDH and just is stomping on everybody all the time, mercilessly, especially if you're trying to get new people in, you know... It, what we try to do anyway in our play group is we all kind of say, hey, okay, you know, what are we playing? What what kind of power level are we going at? And we all try to match. Rule zero. Exactly. We got uh, D-Moose in the chat here saying, so team up and have tournaments to see what genre beats what. <laughs> Clash, of, Clash of the genres. That'd be dope. Who's better? Warhammer 40K? Or Lord of the Rings, and then whatever future crossovers happens. Yeah, no, because yeah, Universes Beyond is going to be one of the biggest things that Wizards is doing. Uh, I was mentioning with Danny before we started the show, like Fortnite did a bunch of crossovers and stuff. They had live 
live concerts in their show or in their game. They've had the Marvel Universe crossover, and I know that there's been a couple other things. Uh, it's, it's Fortnite. I don't pay attention. I apologize. But right? Fortnite sucks. Crossovers is a thing that people love. When one IP crosses over with another, you have the Power Rangers and the Ninja Turtles that did a crossover. You have Scooby-Doo and Batman that did a crossover. People love this and stuff. And Supernatural, Scooby-Doo and Supernatural. Super, Scooby-Doo and Supernatural. They love this stuff. Like when two worlds collide, um, the uh, Matt Pat from Game Theory Film Theory uh, has multiple videos where he's connecting multiple worlds into one. It's all interconnected and stuff like that. And that's what people like. And Hasbro has their crackpot research team that knows kind of what they're supposed to be doing, it seems like. I don't know. Universes Beyond is good, and we're always going to be hearing the people that don't like it the most because they're the ones that want to be heard. They are not happy with these changes because they don't like it. And the the angrier ones are always heard the first. So give mm-hmm. it the temper the temper tantrums. Give give it a bit. They'll be bitching about something else. And Universes Beyond is going to be uh, a smash hit. Calling it here. Right. Give it two months when they announce the Harry Potter secret lair. Ah, they've killed magic. They've ruined it. Remember when they killed magic last winter? Remember when they killed it last summer? Remember when they killed it last spring? Right, dude, I love the professor's (laughs) video on that. Wait, he did a video? Oh, magic is... Oh, God, yeah, he did a video on it, making fun of the people. I missed that one. Throughout all the years, like, every year, he goes, oh, magic's dead, I better... I better sell off all my cards. And then like shows another date. Oh, well, they did this. Oh, magic's dead. I better sell everything. This is terrible. What do they think they're doing? It's just hilarious. It's just making fun of everything. Right. Because it's it's people who it's it's I don't know. I don't want to be extremely rude, but it's comical to see people who bitch so much like that to just like throw up their hands and not like be a little more critical, have a little more common sense in their head with this. Like I, on one hand, I, that's the one hand, that's the thought. But in the other hand though, I'm also sympathetic to them because, you know, maybe like magic is their comfort game and people who have a comfort thing, they don't like the change to happen. And so maybe that could explain more of the outbursts, more of the expressing the dislike for whatever Watsy is doing. But Right, but then again, once again, we circle back to the rule zero. Yeah, and there, there's always going to be people that are agreeing with you, the big thing. So with this uh, SW mystery uh, person, you know, their play group, definitely have the conversation with them. I'm pretty sure they're all going to be on the same page because I, I don't know how often, I don't know, at least our play group is pretty understanding on whatever other people want to do and stuff. So it's right. like if... I imagine all other play groups are going to be like similar minded in something like that, but right. And I bet you, out of all these people that throw all these temper tantrums all the time and whatnot, if you were to poll them, I bet you seventy percent of all the people that throw temper tantrums are the old reserved list collector players. Now, I think it would be more of like the 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 quote unquote like the, the the people that find themselves to be more like magic purists, not necessarily yeah. reserve list. The 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 reserve, the reserve list, list people aren't like champion. That collector people that play nothing but old school 93 94 how many of those do we actually know how many people do we actually know that bitch about shit like this on a constant basis i mean you're not wrong on that but maybe our point exactly 
maybe maybe Fargo is not the place to be having these kind of people though. You know, we're not in Florida next to Rudy who would be <laughs> Rudy. <laughs> I mean, there you go. We need okay, that's that's our goal, Matt. We need to we need to get an interview with Rudy. He doesn't do interviews though, if I'm not mistaken. Well, we can be the first. How about we hit him up and be like, hey, Rudy, you want to come onto a podcast and just bullshit and tell us that we're, we're fucking stupid? We're the Timmies that you right. always tell about. <laughs> right. Call us dumb. We're, we're, the, we're the Timmies Ask that him. walk into Timmy's Emporium. <laughs> right. Ask him if he wants to do an episode with us and just do nothing but talk down to us the whole time. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? Why not? What's the worst he's going to say? Right? No. <laughs> Right? We'll get publicity. Hey, hey Rudy, <laughs> we just want to sit and talk. It doesn't have to necessarily be about anything. You want to shit on us as a, a shitty little right? podcast? We'd love to talk with you. Right? We want you to condescend our asses. Just, just talk down to us. Talk to us like you're idiots. Choke Please. me, daddy. Oh, wait. Did that say, <laughs> I say that out loud? Oh, that got, that got dark. This week in fetishes. <laughs> that, got, that got dark. Oh, man. The list. Matt, but if you wear a choker in uh, high school. Uh, I was gonna piggyback on your statement of people don't want, like those who don't want to have their magic game change. Magic changes every year. There it are changes new every couple changes. months. Yeah, well, I'm just saying overall it changes every year. Like it dramatically changes every year. Right? Standard rotates every three years. Uh, or is it two years? Every year. Every year. Every fall it's it rotates. A, it's a full yeah. rotate. Okay, so yeah, those who play standard. You're changing your deck every year, or maybe every three months, four months. You're changing because right. the new new sets are coming out. So That's... I don't understand why people are like complaining about the new changes when they've already have the ability to change their decks on a regular basis due to standard. I think, or I think even modern. It's, it's it's because an un, unpopular opinion here. I know I'm probably going to get shot in the foot for this one, but there's there's people that just want to bitch to bitch and to get their their 15 minutes of fame oh yeah for sure totally agree i i do think that more more of the people that are complaining about this are those that are in the eternal formats more than standard because there's been the conversation going on recently that you know all these new cards are now seeping into the old formats and they're more powerful than the old cards. Legacy is a big example because, you know, Uro is showing up in there. Oko was a format-defining card until it got banned. Arkham's Astrolabe, a format-defining card until it got banned. Like, that's the thing well, that people are complaining more every, about is these newer cards are coming in. The answer. Making, have, you, have you noticed, though, in the last, what, two years, everything that's been printed has been really, really, really power-pushed, though? Right. And people don't, that's the thing, but people don't like that. They don't want their, they don't want their, you know, brainstorms, force of wills, wastelands to be getting outclassed by a new future card that's going to be in their format. I mean, they got, they got to do something to sell packs. They can't just keep printing Ixalan. Right. And, and, and this is the thing where probably people are, uh, forgetting that, Watsi needs to keep doing things to be making money. Like, this is the unfortunate thing of capitalism this week in capitalism, y'all. Uh, this is the unfortunate thing with capitalism. There always has to be growth. There always has to be expansion. And it's like, at to what end? To what end is there going to be this? Like, we're supposed to keep showing growth. We're supposed to be showing profits. It's just, it's not, it's, I understand. People are not happy with it. Right. But, I mean, you can't. Like the thing is, you, you gotta have some sets that push the envelope. 
that push that power level because that's how you renew the interest. That's how you sell packs. You can't constantly print shitty, boring sets all the time and expect people to stay in the game. Yeah, we're not. We're it's not. Just not going to happen. We're not I mean, Pokemon that can just ch- toss in a Charizard into the set and then it's just like, oh my god, right? Oh, there's a Charizard. Oh, you know, no, it just it. You know, if they constantly printed sets like Ixalan and and you know what's another Dragon boring Maze. one? Yeah, Dragon Gods. Yeah, you know, st- Journey into Nyx. All the you know just yeah, the whole set. Keep, if they keep printing shitty, boring sets like that. People are just going to get fed up and they're not going to want to. People move. Do anything. People are moving. Product is moving when sets are good. Good. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm pretty sure we can like talk to people that have sold product of Dragon's Maze, Ixalan, and then have sold uh, War of the Spark and things like that. And they'd have the numbers themselves to see. It's like, yeah, War of the Spark sold five times better than Ixalan did. And uh, Modern Masters sold 10 times better than Dragon's Maze. Like they have those numbers and it's like, okay, so we can see these numbers. People liked Modern Horizons more. People liked Ward the Spark more than both these two. What did those two sets do that these two didn't, what did these sets do that those two did not do? Well, these two sucked. (laughs) Right? Had actual (laughs) playable cards. Yeah. They weren't dumpster fires. That was the reason I stopped playing Sandard. It was because of Born of Gods and Dragon Maze. Yeah, it's like the interest needs to keep churning, and that's just the industrial machine that is Magic the Gathering. Exactly. And I don't know, is it is it rude to say that some people just can't keep up with it? It's like, it's not bad because, you know, at whatever point you stop with magic, you're not necessarily done with magic. It's like, okay, at this point, I can cut it off. I'm not dealing with any of these newer cards, but I'll still be running these old things. Because, you know, we've all had, like, a little bit of a dip and stuff in magic. I know I didn't play for, like, two, a year? It was probably a year. It was probably about a year I didn't play and stuff. I don't know what that, I, I no idea where I was going with that. But, right. We, but we, all, we all take hiatuses. Right, and that's what Eternal Formats are for. The Eternal Formats are for people, you know, that don't always want to keep up with everything. You still but that's the thing, though. Stuff. They got to keep up with them if they keep printing these cards at this power level. I mean, you do and you what? don't, because there's still viable decks out there that really haven't changed that much. I think I need to take a real quick break. And we will be back after a break. Okay, so we are back from a bit of a break. Probably there was music there or something for y'all to listen to. Trying new things. Uh, Danny had to step away. Baby Sapperling issues. uh, Sapperling life and all that. So it's just going to be JB and I for the rest of this episode. Deal with it. But good that we got his opinion on the whole uh, universes beyond there before, before he left. 
But we have some quickies and stuff to tell you here. First off, we're going to be starting with some news on a class action lawsuit over the uh, Mythic Edition, War of the Spark Mythic Edition packs that happened or that, that got sent out two years ago. So a class action, this is from topclassactions.com. A class action lawsuit claiming Hasbro never delivered on a deal for limited edition Magic the Gathering card packs was dismissed by a federal judge. Over two dozen lead plaintiffs claimed that in May of 2019, they paid $250 on eBay for a Word of the Spark Mythic Edition card pack, but their orders were rejected by Hasbro and its subsidiary, Wizards of the Coast. The complaint noted that, while Hasbro issued refunds, buyers had to turn to third-party sources for the limited edition pack and pay a steep surcharge. In addition, the plaintiffs alleged that Hasbro had already sent confirmation to the buyers before pulling the rug from underneath them. So, indeed, according to court documents, Hasbro's advertised scarcity of the War of the, Part, War of the Spark Mythic Edition pack using the following statement. So, this is what Wizards said. Similar to Ravnica Allegiance Mythic Edition, War of the Spark Mythic Edition will be limited to only 12,000 units and will be available for sale on Hasbro's eBay store starting Wednesday, May 1st at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, 8 p.m. General. Limit two per person. There will be no reprint of War of the Spark Mythic Edition. Once it's gone, it's gone. The advertisement allegedly caused by buying caused a buying frenzy and the card pack sold rapidly. The class action lawsuit contended that Hasbro made a bidding contract with the plaintiffs and other buyers that it violated when it ran out of stock of the limited edition pack. They accused Hasbro and its subsidiary of breach of contract, good faith and fair dealing, and of negligence. The claim contended that Hasbro had made a bidding offer to purchase the limited edition card pack at a certain point price the plaintiffs pointed to statements on their ebay website including the buy it now price offer for the cards as well as terms on the website indicating that buyers entered into a legally binding contract when they commit to buy a product on the site plaintiffs also argue in order for hasbro to cancel the contract the company had to get permission from the buyers instead it unilaterally backed out on the deal so uh, u.s district judge Amy Totenberg disagree with the plaintiffs and tossed their class action lawsuit with prejudice in December in a December ruling. In her order, Judge Totenberg pointed out that the terms and conditions of the e of eBay allow sellers to cancel a transaction. Specifically, the order pointed out that sellers such as Hasbro and Wizards are permitted to cancel a purchase if the item had not been sent yet. The buyer did not ask eBay for help getting items that, that had not received, and they had not opened an unpaid item case. The order also addressed the class action lawsuit claims that Hasbro had entered into a binding contract with the plaintiffs and other would-be purchasers by advertising statements it made, quote, uh, defendants eBay listing advertised a good to be uh, good to be sold to the general public, just like a traditional advertising circular or catalog, pointed out the order. In posting the sale to the public, defendants explicitly noted in the previous special edition announcement and in the listing that there was a limited quality of the game. <laughs> so Judge Tonebook Totenberg concluded that a reasonable buyer would understand from statements on eBay advertising a card pack that Hasbro was not promising to ex accept every offer to buy the limited edition product, though Hasbro initially accepted the plaintiff's payments, said the judge. These actions occurred through eBay and not Hasbro or Wizards of the Coast. 
yeah, uh, article goes on there a little bit, but yeah, that was something fun to, that was, that's a fun story to read links in the description down below for that one. It's, uh, it's kind of bonker balls to think that, I don't know. To me, it just seems obvious, you know, what, uh, my example in my head that when I was reading that was the Jace shoes, the K-Swiss shoes that they made. I tried to get on that right away. I knew it was a limited edition, and I'm pretty sure I was perfectly fine with the fact, oh, I missed out because it's a limited edition. Everything was stated clearly. There's nothing, no contractually. Uh, I mean, the fact, though, if eBay did take the purchase but refunded it, it's like, yeah, sorry, we, uh, we took the order, but then we can't because we're out of product you know but next so next up wizards of the coast director of esports and play programs steps down so there was a tweet that happened today actually at 11 18 a.m from bear watson says hey folks i wanted to announce that i've decided to leave wizards to pursue some new opportunities in games so Watson played a key role in cultivating Magic Esports over the last two years, including the launch of the Magic Pro and Rivals Leagues and restructuring of the Magic Hall of Fame. While Watson did not elaborate on the new opportunities he plans to pursue, he re-enters the job market with an impressive resume, which includes a combined 10 years of experience from former employer Riot Games, as well as Wizards of the Coast. He also tweeted again, uh, I walked into Magic a stranger, but have grown to love the legacy people and relationships behind the game you're what makes magic what it is a beautiful beautiful tweet we so have interesting to see where he goes yeah no see if, any, see if anything you know comes up and surfaces or whatever see if he talks about where he ends up right no news on that yet but next in the news we have an ash can Magic number one Ashcan from Boom Studios. It's a surprise uh, printing here coming out March in 2021. So Boom Studios under license of Hasbro and in partnership with Wizards revealed today, which was March 5th. So on Friday, uh, this article comes from comicwatch.com. They revealed today a first brand new look at Magic Number no. 1, the premiere issue of the new Mad original comic book series from the acclaimed writer Jeb McCain, which is the, the new Magic comic book. And it has the art on the, uh, the the cover art. Oh my God, that cover art looks good. They have the typical, uh, they, the, they also show the sketches and stuff that they had in the earlier announcement. But then the more you scroll down here, they actually have a couple of the pages from this magic number one issue. Number one, ash can here, JB, do you know what an ash can is? Or is that just the name of this? Is that just the name of the, this comic book episode or series ash can? Sure. I mean, uh, with, uh, with them saying that there's overwhelming demand from retailers and fans, boom studios will provide each qualifying store with one copy of the surprise ash can that previews the first issue and includes exclusive back matter, back matter available in stores, March 10th. So two days when you guys are listening to this, it'll be Wednesday. It'll be out. Yeah. 
and that's pretty much it. And then it goes into kind of like the synopsis. Uh, print copies of Magic 1 will be available April 7th, 2021, exclusive at local comic book shops. You can use comicshoplocator.com to find the nearest one near you or at the Boom Studio web store. Digital copies can be purchased from content providers, including Comixology, One Books, Google Play, and Made Fire. Time to do a little bit more of a deeper dive. So, Time Spiral Remastered. We got a bonus episode about that coming out. Everybody's been talking about it. Full set's been spoiled. All that fun stuff. So, it looks like they're going to have a launch party for Time Spiral Remastered on Spell Table. So there's a whole article on it. Uh, I'll kind of skim over this article a little bit. Thanks for joining us for Time Spiral Remastered Previews. We're excited to finally share this set with everyone for those who fondly remember that Mystical Teachings deck they drafted in 2006. Are looking to snag some retro frame cards for their commander decks or just showed up and saw the card name. <laughs> this is... Come on, say it. Say it. This is... Um, is that Fibble Thip's other cousin? <laughs> close, very close. No, uh, thi- uh, the way that I've always pronounced it is Thysis. The PH makes a th- like it, 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 it's silent. It's just Thysis, Thysis, Thysis. Sure, we'll go with that. That sounds cooler. Thysis, thesis. Uh, yeah, Thesaurus. No, there's no R in there. Now we're getting real crazy. Right now, you're not getting too crazy. <laughs> so, it's been a particularly challenging year for the gathering part of our game. While Time Spiral Remastered events begin March 18th on Magic Online, we wanted to try something new to celebrate the release of this tabletop set and connect people together to play games safely and comfortably. To that end, we're using a platform some of you may be familiar with already the Spell Table Beta, presenting the Time Spiral Remastered launch party. They even had a cool little photo and everything. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. Not going to lie. So the launch party begins on release day, March 19th, and runs through Saturday, March 20th. They're supporting remote play for the event through a dedicated external Discord server in conjunction with their partners over at Channel Channel Fireball and with Boothard. God, why can't I talk today? With their hard. Yeah, words are hard. With their partners over at Channel Fireball, and with booster packs available through your local WPN store. So we'll have to talk to Josh and see if this is something he's uh, going to get behind. Right. We'll be playing tabletop games online using webcam-style setups, using spell table beta, similar to Channel Fireball's Command Fest events, but with the party vibe of your favorite casual pre-release. The main format of the event will be Time Spiral Remastered Sealed, similar to a traditional pre-release event. Purchase Time Spiral Remastered Draft Booster Packs at your LGS, open six packs, create a 40-card deck, including basic lands, and you're all set. There will be options for traditional one-on-one games as well as teaming up for a two-headed giant play. That's cool. Great. When you log in Spell Table Beta on the day of the event, you'll see the option to join the Time Spiral Remastered launch party in addition to the usual set of options. That will take you to our special event Discord server where you'll be paired with other players looking to play games with Time Spiral Remastered. And it also looks like the Eternal Discord server can be joined in advance. They submit a link, so I'm sure this link will be in the notes for you guys. If you guys have done the Command Fest 
before. It's it's the Channel Fireball Discord server. Is it the same one? Yep, same yep. one. It's just gonna. Then it said in conjunction, so that's why I was like, right. And with that, that's is what it made gonna me... be the same one or like. Yeah, I uh, I don't know, JB. Did you do the Command Fest online? No, I wanted to, but I didn't get a chance to. But I am in the Channel Fireball Discord server, yep. so I mean that part's already done. Okay, yeah. So I imagine it's going to be running down the same like that. If you've done them before, it's pretty straightforward. You sign in, you do the bot command of exclamation point uh, LFG looking for game, and then you get put in a queue and it matches you with people, and then you get connected to a link. Uh, the spell bot, spell table bot will send you a link. You all get onto a spell table. This will be 1v1, um, unless it's the two-headed giant var- uh, variants, and that one you will specifically enter in for that. And yeah, then you play. Put match results. I'm pretty sure there's going to be prize support and stuff for it like before. All right. Well, it says that there's going to be something, uh, you know, booster packs available through your LGS. So maybe there's going to be party, you know, prize support. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't. Or if they're just talking about the packs you're going to play with are going to be available. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Because this, this article goes on. So there also is no entry fee. So it's going to be a free event. Oh, right there. Look at that. This next sentence. We jumped the gun. We jumped the gun. There's, yep. There's no entry fee and there aren't any prizes. Womp, womp. Yes. There also isn't a round structure, so you can come and go as you please throughout Friday and Saturday to play as often as you'd like, hang out, play some games in your pajamas, and have a good time. Seems just like the Command Fest. So Right? That's pretty cool. So now, now we'll get into what you'll need to play. So to participate... If you played a game of Magic over webcam before, uh, it's pretty simple. If you haven't tried Spell Table yet, try it. There's a link for it. Uh, for Time Spiral Remastered, here's what you need to do. Pick up some Time Spiral Remastered packs from your LGS or wherever booster packs are available for you to purchase. Uh, you'll be playing sealed decks, so you need at least six. Uh, you're free to get more and build more than one sealed deck if you want, but you need at least six to play. Be sure to let your store know that you're playing in the event when you pick up your packs. And then after you have your packs, you build your deck, you open them, make a 40-card deck, and get all timey-wimey. <laughs> and then you get your webcam magic set up, ready to go, which I think, honestly, that should be like a, in the other order, because I don't know if they Well, no, of course they're going to want you to buy the packs before you get your camera set no, up. No, the build... Like, wouldn't you want your camera set up and then you build? No, you build before. You don't build in front of a person. You get your deck built before you start playing. It's sealed, not draft. Well, yeah, but I mean, we when we did that pre-release it through Josh's, we paired up and opened on camera so we knew people weren't cheating. I mean, yeah, yeah, that is very true. I mean, this ain't sanctioned, so that right. was sanctioned. I mean, if you're cheated, you just kind of like ridiculed for doing that labeled a dick right don't be a dick don't cheat so anyway yeah back to the article so we'll get your webcam magic setup ready to go check and adjust your settings make sure your cards are nice and visible remove your pet from your play mat if they decide to take a nap there which you never played yes which happens a lot it does if you have cats they're dicks they like to do that yeah, 100%. It's ridiculous. It's so bizarre that they that they enjoy doing that. 
Right? It's like, of all the places to nap, why here? Mm-hmm. So once you get your camera set up, you log into Spell Table, use your Wizards account. Uh, if you have an Arena account, you already have a Spell Table account. So just use that same login. Specifically, they're reminding you to type in to to type in beta.spelltable.com. So there is a launch, a soft launch of uh, beta.spelltable.com right now. Mm-hmm. But cool thing about that, since we talked to Jonathan, it wasn't shortly after that that he told us that there's that beta.spelltable.com and we've been playing on that it's just right, more that's all we've been using it's more of refined uh if i'm not mistaken i think the beta actually has a little bit of a better uh click ability to pull up cards right it's probably got a better database setup if you will okay so after you log in and if you've already been using spell table and are wondering how the beta differs from regular spell table well we just kind of went over that uh, spell table beta features format selection, spectator mode. They did add spectator mode. Nice. Speaker identification and various stability improvements. Uh, please note that since we're using spell table beta to test our updates before official rollouts, its features may still be very much in development. So keep that in mind. It's beta, obviously. There's going to be bugs. Things are ever changing. Yes. But it's cool that they finally added spectator mode. I think that's cool. Yeah, that was one of the uh, the features, if I'm not mistaken, that Jonathan was talking about on our episode. Right. That we did with him. Now, now that they've announced this stuff, I can hit up Blake Rasmussen again and be like, hey, can we get Jonathan on an episode? Right. Because he told he told me that I had to wait until spring to a- uh, wait until spring to ask again. Right. So get on it. Get on it, son. Okay, so then after you log into spell table, you select the option to find a game in the Time Spiral Remastered launch party. From there, you'll be taken to the event Discord for the launch party. Note that it's an external Discord link. If you don't have a Discord account already, you'll make a username here, so it'll direct you to making a username for Discord if you don't have it. Uh, It's very very easy to set up. Oh yeah, Discord is very easy. I love Discord. So you just join the queue, find a match in the style of your choice, and there you go. Start playing. The event Discord server will also feature things like magic trivia, pack one, pick one discussion, and more. That's pretty cool. Yep. It's going to be a no-stakes, relaxing time for everyone, even for the people looking up how to pronounce <laughs> this is right now. <laughs> Over the last year, it's been a major challenge to come together to enjoy the game we all love, and we hope the Time Spiral Remastered launch party gives you a little more taste of what's to come when it's safe to gather again. And then the rest of the article just kind of goes on, gives some tips for getting started with webcam magic. Got a couple videos, uh, one from Gavin Verhey, one from The Professor. Uh, It also goes through trying to make a phone stand out of a cardboard box with picture instructions, everything. Uh, It's pretty cool. If you want to look that stuff up, check out the link. sure Matt will link everything for you. Yes. But if you want my honest opinion, before you do that whole box setup that they had at the bottom of this article, if you got a fat pack box, use that. Type in fat pack box phone setup. Right. I'm surprised they didn't include that. Like, why did they go for just a generic cardboard box versus using their own branded packaging? I don't don't know. Maybe they don't want people to defile their boxes. (laughs) Right. Don't Google that. (laughs) Yeah. don't, 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 Don't Google that. But yeah, no, that th- those 
those setups seem way better, way more stable than this because you, you hit the box, everything falls over. But with the, the fat pack setup, it's all kind of like nicely wedged in there if you cut it at the right shape and stuff. And this, you just put your phone on top of a folded fucking box. So, you know, right. to do what you will, but we recommend looking that up. Look up the fat pack box phone stand. <laughs> You'll find it. It'll be one of the first results. And there'll be pictures. But next, we have some more news that came out on Friday Wizards announced Historic Anthologies 4. So if you guys are a fan of Arena and are kind of slightly, according to them, slightly jealous of Time Spiral Mastered previews, well, pack your bags for a trip to the past on MTG Arena. Historic lovers, your time has come. So Historic Historic Anthology 4 will add 25 cards uh, to help unlock new strategies beginning march 11th so on thursday you can purchase the complete historic anthology set uh and it contains a play set four copies of every new card and the bundle is going to cost 4,000 gems or 2,500 gold it will be available from march 11th to june 10th players will still be able to craft the cards using wild cards after the set is done uh, legality is going to be in historic and let's talk about all of the cards up first are the white cards we have triumphant reckoning white 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 six sorcery returnal artifacts enchantments and planeswalker cards from your graveyard to the battlefield that was originally printed in commander legends Declaration in Stone, White 1, Sorcery, Exile Target Creature, and all other creatures its controller controls with the same name as that creature. That player investigates for each non-token creature exiled this way. Uh, investigating means you make a cre- you create a clue token. That is an artifact that you pay to sack it, draw a card. Then there is Thraben Inspector, a single white, 1-2 human soldier. When it ETBs, you investigate, so you make a clue. More cards is Think Twice, Blue 1 Instant, Draw Card, and has Flashback of 2 and a Blue. Spider Spawning, Green 4 Sorcery, create a 1-2 Green Spider Creature Token with Reach for each creature in your graveyard, and it also has Flashback for Black 6. And then they added some Snow Permanents. We have Iceberg Cantrix, which came out in Modern Horizons, Blue one zero four Snow Creature Crab, when another snow permanent enters the battlefield under your control, you may have target player mill two cards. Is this going to be showing up in historic rogues, maybe? Like, rogues are now going to be turned to snow. I doubt it. Probably not powerful enough. Uh, Merit Lage of Slumber, blue one, legendary snow enchantments. When it enters the battlefield or another snow permanent enters the battlefield, scry one. Beginning of your upkeep, if you control ten or more snow permanents, sacrifice Merit Lage Slumber. If you do, create... Merit Lage, a legendary 2020 black avatar creature token with flying and indestructible. That card is going to be getting seen around for sure. Right? I love I that card. I play with it. Now, uh, one of the big cards, sort of body and mind, is getting printed into hithor- hithoric, historic anthology. Are you still trying to say pathesis? Pathesis. Pathesis. Thesis. Thesis. Thraben Inspectors. Historic. Sort of. Mike Tyson. (laughs) Channel the inner Mike Tyson. Thethel, Thethel, Thethethor. (laughs) Sword of Body and Mind. 
three colorless artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has pro green, pro blue. Whenever an equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you create a two-two wolf creature token, and that player mills ten cards. Goblin gave Gavalier, red one, uh, one red. Goblin warrior one one trample. It gets plus two plus zero for each equipment attached to it. Bone splitter one colorless artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two plus zero, and it has an equipped of one. Oh, I don't know. We're, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna cover like the bigger cards here. We got inspiring statuary, <laughs> three three colorless artifacts. Non artifact spells you control have improvise. Cold steel heart two mana snow artifact enters the battlefield tapped when it enters the battlefield. Choose a color. Add one mana of any other chosen color. It taps to do that. Blink Moth Nexus, it ta- it's a land that taps to add a colorless to your mana pool. You pay one, Blink Moth Nexus becomes a 1-1 Blink Moth artifact creature with flying until end of turn. Then you pay one, tap it, Blink Moth, target Blink Moth creature gets plus one, plus O oh, until end of turn. We have the big card here that is definitely going to be the, the card that people are more excited about, I would say. Death death's shadow is now in historic a single white 1313 avatar death shadow gets neg x neg x where x is your life total so i imagine there's going to be some uh death shadow style decks that are now moving over from modern into historic because there's scourge of the skyclave but the full list will be down below if you want to see all the cards jb are you excited for these cards to show up in historic sure yeah. I haven't played much historic. I haven't played much arena. Uh, I get, I just, I just get so burnt out on arena so fast. Yeah, yeah, it does get a, it does get a very, I don't know. I feel repetitive is the right word, but it doesn't like encompass what it fully feels like. And especially since you know we're definitely jank players, not right. not. And we don't have a large enough collection to be, you know, swapping different decks all the time. Oh so my we god, just... the wild cards. Oh, ridiculous. I wish there was a better way to get wild cards. Wizards, wizards, please help us you know, out. I've got five billion common and uncommon wild cards, but I've only got two rare and two mythic rare. <sighs> yeah, I feel you. Stupid. Ya. I feel you. It sucks. It totally sucks. Makes it so hard to build decks. Okay, so we have some Modern Horizons two dates. I, so I like this since we're modern players. Info, everything you need. It's gonna be fun. So scheduling is now open for Modern Horizons two with more of what Modern Commander and Legacy players love for Modern Horizons. For cards, more throwbacks, and more mechanics. I'm excited to see what's in this set. Honestly, that's just me. I know, dude. First Modern Horizons was good. I mean, right. people didn't like Hogak, but <laughs> it was Hogak. Urza's not as degenerate now as it was once before, but, you know, two well, cards out of everything. Man, Astrolabe. Fuck. <laughs> but we did get uh, Crashing Footfalls, one of my favorite cards. It's a stupid card, but I love it. <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. So we got all the important dates coming up here and what you need to know when you schedule pre-release. Scheduling is not open, so schedule your Modern Horizons 2 pre-release now. So important dates. Scheduling opens now, today, 
Boom. Scheduling's open. Uh, March 23rd, Wizards event reporter decommission, whatever that means. It's I, in red too, so it must be cool. Yeah, it ha- no that that has a link, and um, we didn't cover this. I missed this, but Wizards event reporter is being dish, uh, decommissioned, and so that's with the whole WPN uh, members or uh, event link is now the new thing that they're going to be doing. Yeah, event link is their new way to be doing events instead of the event reporter. Different names, different programs. That's more on the store side of things. Okay, good stuff. So then March 26th, we have distributor selection deadline. Also on the same day, WPN premium deadline. Uh, May 3rd, marketing kits are going to be delivered for North America and Latin America. Also on May 3rd, digital marketing assets are available. May 28th through June 2nd, promo cards will be delivered. May 28th through June 2nd, also marketing kits delivered for Europe, Japan, and Asia Pacific. Pre-release will be June 4th through June 10th. And the official release will be June 11th. WPN premium deadline uh, reached premium by March 26th for increased allocation of pre-release, early sale, promotion product, and more. So this is for your LGSs. Deadline for designation is March 26th. Get increased pre-release early sale promotion product from MH2. Sell MH2 collector. Ooh, what? They're going to have collector boosters for Modern Horizons 2? Wait till you get to the next part, too. Hot diggity damn. So sell MH2 collector booster displays during pre-release. Loads of WPM premium benefits are in the works for 2021, all based on your responses to our WPM premium in 2021 survey. Kicking off the year with a popular benefit request, increased product allocations. Which is good for everybody. Reach premium by March 26th to receive an increased allocation of pre-release early sale promotion product for MH2. More details on it below. Reaching premium by the deadline also means you'll be able to sell MH2 collector boosters displays during pre-release, which, correct me if I'm wrong, they couldn't do, right? You had to wait for your collectors for actual release week? Correct. If yes. Yeah. So that'll be cool. And now, uh, and now I'll read this next part here. Right? So, oh, wow. So Modern Horizons 2 is the first non-standard set with pre-release packs. Yes. So there will be actual pre-release packs for this set. That is cool. This is going to be bonkers just because of this stuff. Like right? the cl- we get we get collector boosters, which I'm imagining is going to be like the VIP uh, the VIP double masters, kind of right? in that same range is what I imagine. But I could be wrong because there's not I much like details. How you on tried that. to church that up. I tried to church church it up. What do you mean? VIP, VIP. Who said? Yeah, who calls it VIP? Well, that was the biggest. Oh, continue, Jesus. Don't be <laughs> criticizing me, sir. <laughs> So, allocations are based on reduced percentage of past pre-release attendance. Pre-release packs include a participation promo as well. So, just basically like um, what Modern Horizons 1 was. You got Astral Slide, or was it Astral? No, Astral Drifts yep. for uh, participating in draft. So, that's cool that they're giving away a participation promo for pre-release 2. Who doesn't like free promo cards? It's good stuff. Right. Yes. 
Modern Horizons 2 will have pre-release packs. Your pre-release allocation is based on blah, 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 whatever's highest. Yes, and the participation promo included in your pre-release pack is usable in your sealed pool. Just like they can for standard pre-releases. Pre-release will start at 3 p.m. local time. So that's nice. At home and webcam pre-release are available globally. All pre-release events are starting at 3 p.m. on Friday, June 4th. God, that'd be so sweet to do in-store. But I know it's not going to happen. Right. Right. Remote play. All retailers can choose to host at home and or webcam pre-releases. All retailers can use spell table beta for your webcam pre-releases. I love that they're pushing spell table. It's great. Use what you got. They got. Right. Well, it's such a great platform to it for it too. Good stuff. Okay, so the pre-release early sale promotion and buy box promos. You can sell full boxes and pre-release packs only June 4th through June 10th. Pre-release early sale boxes vary by region, also used for event pricing. One buy box promo for each pre-release early sale box and group of six pre-release packs. Oh, sweet. So you can get a buy box promo for groups of six pre-release packs. Nice. That is cool, too. And then uh, if you have any buy box promos left, you can give them for each purchase per, purchase of select items after pre-release. Holy shit. They got set boosters. What? Yeah. The pre-release early sale what? promotion product varies by region. North America. Set boosters. Oh. So that's no pretty cool. Way. Yeah. So no there's way. yeah, they So they can sell set boosters during pre-release. Yeah. They got set boosters, collector boosters, and draft boosters of Modern Horizons, man. Oh and pre-release God, packs. This is sick. I know what I'm buying. Holy shit. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm getting set boosters for sure. So all pre-release early sale promotion products are in the local language unless stated. Otherwise, expect a smaller allocation of pre-release early sale promo boxes than you would see for a standard set. WPN members will receive an increased allocation. You get a buy box promo for the sale of each set booster display, draft booster display, collector booster display, or group of six pre-release packs. So any box you buy or six pre-release packs, you'll get a buy box promo. I'm surprised nobody else has been talking about that Modern Horizons is going to be having these because I don't think it was stated anywhere when Modern Horizons was first mentioned. That or Modern Horizons 2. Right? I think this is the first I've seen that they broke it down. That's why I'm like, what? They're doing collector boosters and set boosters? Like, that is cool. And pre-release packs? Like, that's legit. Yeah, dude. That's every, crazy. Everybody wants to be able to get uh, extended art Hogek. 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 Oh, God. Oh, God. Hogek 2.0. All right. Before... I wonder if they'll have Hogek's brother, Nogek. Brogak? Oh, God. Snogak. Oh. Oh. Mm. I was going to say Hogak, meaning like, you know, H-O-E, but uh, no, missed, missed, yeah, no. missed on that. Hogak yeah, is already Hogak. Yeah, you missed that. <laughs> okay, so finances. Cha-ching. Finance section. 
Deck of the Week is brought to us by MTG Stocks, an amazing website that has three cars that move up in price that they want to talk about that could have indications. This week, we're definitely going to recommend you read the article for more context on the cards. The first one, a very cool card, Essence Flux. Super powerful card. Single blue, instant speed, uh, jumpstart edition for this. Exile target creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. If it's a spirit, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Uh, with Reynard, the Ever Watchful out, and it's a spirit, it's very beneficial with that. So that's moving up because Reynard's making making waves. SOI, what's SOI short for? Uh, Shadows over Innistrad. Ah, God. Then we have Samar, Samurai of the Pale. <laughs> it's getting Why late. Why are you trying to church it up? <sighs> JB, don't do this to me. <laughs> trying to get all French. It's pronounced Dear Tay. French onion sop. You don't know that one. Stick. No. Uh, Dick, fig- or dick figures great youtube series watch it y'all oh my god samurai of the pale curtain oh i didn't even mention the price uh essence flux <laughs> moved up 400 percent. it's now sitting at three dollars and 33 cents this has had uh just a single printing before in shadows over innistrad that one you can still find for a buck average prices moved up the market price is slowly moving up you can still get them for a buck people are just probably speculating and high on this card because of uh reynard the ever watchful Next, Samurai of the Pale Curtain, Champions of Kamigawa. White, white, two, Fox Samurai with Bushido. So when this blocks or becomes blocked, it gets plus one, plus one till end of turn. And then it reads, if a permanent would be put into a graveyard, remove it from the game instead. What? What? That's pretty good. Uh, Jumped up 387%, now chilling at $5.75. Uh, there is the reason for the spike is actually hidden in the previous winner as well. Oh, Reynard, are they ever watchful? You read in the context so that way you can know if I'm not mistaken. This is the only printing of this since it's yep, it is the only printing since it came out from Champions of Kamigawa. Market price is actually moving up with this, so yeah, there's actual demand for uh, Samurai of the Pale Curtain. If you got this, uh, check, check your bulk. Next, we have Cabal Coffers card that everybody loves that everybody wants reprinted from torment it is a land that reads tap two tap add black two mana pool for each swamp you control this has moved up 7.5 percent now chilling at 85 dollars there is a fnm promo and a planes chase version the torment is actually the cheapest right now uh the planes chase is 100 bucks the promo is 115 if Ooh. you are interested <laughs> But uh, yeah, the combo goes well with Urborg, Tomb of Yagmoth. But since Turgrid is a thing, still people uh, love the black ramp that this produces. And I'm just surprised it took this long for any kind of notable increase, I guess, then. Because since, like, at the beginning of Keldheim, it was $70. And now it's uh, $85. So up 15 bucks since Keldheim got released. Then we got a number four weekly winner this week. We have Ulamog, the Impotent Gyre. Gyre. Eleven. Co- pronounce Euro. Ulamog, the Infinite <laughs> Euro. I don't know. Eleven I colorless mana. Ten ten legendary Eldrazi. 
When you cast Ulamog, destroy target permanent. It has Annihilator 4, so when this creature attacks, defending player sacrifices for permanence. Ulamog is indestructible. When it's put into the graveyard from anywhere, its owner shuffles it into from their graveyard, shuffles his or her graveyard into their library. This has moved up 47%, now sitting at $99.95. Um this one's based off Eska, God of the Tree, because of the backside, which is the World Tree, where you can cast things for free from your library. Uh, oh, there's uh, Eldrazi, f- five-color Eldrazi commander decks that's kind of like going around. Again, read, uh, click the link for this one, because we're we're just flying by this of pop, uh, of the cards. So, JB, take us away with those sweet, pick- sweet cheap pickups. Okay, so first up we have True Name Nemesis from Battle Bond. Sitting at $8.65, slowly trending down because of reprint. Yep, from the sheet, the time-shifted sheet. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have the Commander Legends print of Rings of Brighthearth. I'm just looking at this uh, graph, and it just it <laughs> it makes me giggle. Oh, it just plummeted hard. November 1st. First was projected at $35 and now it's sitting at $5.49. And it's still going down. And yep. then we have the Zendikar Rising print of Forsaken Monument sitting at $5 even. And that one is still trending down. With uh, Rings of Bright Earth, the Lorwyn version <laughs> tanked so bad since the Commander Legends. That one at the time of Double Masters was $72 or 50 bucks market price. And a foil was 86. And now the foil is still 86, but the market price is $16. Gee. So you can get the old bordered version of the card. But just get the uh just get the Commander Legends printing. <laughs> Worth it. Right? Okay. Plug TCG Sniper. Go. If you guys want to be picking up any of these cards or any other cards that you want to know or desire to get or desire to sell, go check out TCG Sniper. You're able to input cards into their site, and they will send you notifications when a card moves up or down, whatever card you inserted moves up or down in price. It is a very useful tool for people who just want to like plug cards, sit back, relax, and enjoy saving money, making money, whatever. Very useful site. They need more love. They need more attention. And... Yeah, if you go over there, sign up for an account, you get a free account automatically with five cards that you can input, but you can get a plus account, which will give you 50 uh, cards to input. But if you use, uh, when you go over there, sign up and mention that the guys at anywhere in there at all, you say, hey, the guys over at This Week in MTG sent us, they are awesome, and you guys are awesome. They'll be like, hey, that's awesome. You get our plus program for free for three months. Three months, y'all. So yeah, go check them out. And let's move to Deck of the Week. This one is a Legacy Terror Grid. Terror Grid. Okay, so this deck looks really fun. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to make this. Um, so starting off, we got five Planeswalkers. Um, got three copies of Karn the Great Creator. Which, for those of you who don't know, he's four generic mana. He's got static ability, uh, activated abilities of artifacts. Your opponent's control can't be activated. 
It's got a plus one of until your next turn up to one target non-creature artifact becomes an artifact creature with power and toughness each equal to its converted mana cost. Got a neg two ability of you may choose an artifact card you own from outside the game or in exile, reveal that card and put it into your hand. So it basically lets you wish wish from your sideboard. Comes in with five loyalty. Next up is your favorite, favorite three mana planeswalker. No, it's not Oko. Uh, it's Lily, <laughs> Lily of the Veil. <laughs> Love this card. For one black black, get a three loyalty. Liliana Planeswalker, plus one, each player discards a card. Neg two, target player sacrifices a creature. And the ultimate is neg six, separate all permanents, target player controls into two piles. That player sacrifices all permanents in the pile of his or her choice. We got So it's a good start right there. It is. Solid creatures. Uh, so because of the Karn, there's the Karn sideboard package. We'll talk about when we get to there. But let's talk about some creatures. First off, Commander Legends, uh, pretty boy, pretty card, opposition agent, very contentious, contentious card that people are like, ah, it sucks in EDH. Opposition agent, black two, three, two, human rogue with flash. You control your opponents while they are searching their libraries. When an opponent is searching their library, they exile each card they find. You may play those cards for as long as they remain exiled, and you may spend mana as though they were mana of any color to cast them. Two copies of that in the main board, and then three tear grid, god of fright, black, black, Black Black 3 for a 4-5 Legendary God with Menace whenever an opponent sacrifices or uh, sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent card. You may put that card from the graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. On the back side of this is Teargrid's Lantern. Black 3, Legendary Artifact, Tap. Target player loses 3 life unless they sack a non-land permanent or discard a card. And then it has 3 and a black untapped tear grids lantern okay and on to the sorceries this is where things start to get interesting so we have three copies of him to turok black black sorcery target player discards two cards at random from his or her hand if target player does not have enough cards his or her entire hand is discarded or you could just read the oracle text of target player discards two cards at random where's the fun in that i'm just reading off of the the, <laughs> the, the blown up view on moxfield Okay, so next up we have three copies of Smallpox. Black, black, sorcery speed, each player loses one life, discards a card, sacrifices a creature, then sacrifices a land. Love playing this card. So fun. Pisses people off. It's great. Then we got three copies of Thoughtseize. Single black, sorcery speed, target player reveals his or her hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards that card. You lose two life. Next, in the instance, we have Dark Ritual. A single black, you add black, black, black. So this pairs very well with Opposition Agent turn one. <laughs> turn one, you're on, the, you're on the play. You play your swamp, pass the turn, your opponent plays a fetch, sends it back your way, and you just play the other land and stuff. And then when they crack that fetch at any point, you just cast Dark Ritual to cast an Opposition Agent. <laughs> and you just mm -hmm. take their land. I uh, got a four of that. And it also helps you ramp out into a Liliana sooner, a Karn sooner. And then it also like hits pretty well. Like you could do a small, smallpox thought seize on turn one, which I can only imagine is like stupid backbreaking 
to deal with. And hell, I think you can even get things out sooner as well. Like you could get Bitter Blossom out earlier, but Chrome Mox, I think you'd be able to get a turn two tier grid out. Yeah, turn two tier grid. Or a turn one smokestacks, which we'll talk about you're in a getting, second. You're, yeah, you're getting you're getting too ahead of yourself. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Dark Ritual, Liliana's Triumph. I love this card a lot. Black one instant. Each opponent sacrifices a creature. If you control a Liliana Planeswalker, each opponent also discards a card. This is a card that should just be playing any deck that has Liliana. Highly think that this should should be in there somewhere, main board or sideboard. Right. Okay. So on to the artifacts. We have three copies of Chrome Mox. It zero mana artifact has imprint when chrome mox enters the battlefield you may exile a non-artifact non-land card from your hand has an activated ability of tap add one mana of any of the exiled cards colors to your mana pool then we have three copies of smokestack for four mana you get an artifact during your upkeep you may put a soot counter on smokestack during each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a permanent for each soot counter on smokestack. That is busted. That's a strong card. Right? So good. This pairs extremely well with a bitter blossom out before it. Mm-hmm. Because you just keep sacking that bitter blossom token. You keep you keep having your lands. If your opponent can't be dropping things out faster than you, they're kind of SOL at this point. Well, and the best part is is that upkeep trigger is a may where you may put a soot counter on on smokestack. Yeah, so you, you don't have to keep you putting keep it bunch. at one. You can keep it at two. It's not like it just keeps accelerating unless you want it to. So that's the thing. You can you can adjust for board size. Exactly. And your board size will probably be doing better because you have Dark Ritual on opposition agent to be able to take your opponent's things. Or even Turgrid as well. As soon as you get Turgrid out, when they start discarding things, it's like you get into your board so it can really allow you to stack up on smokestacks to be able to like have three counters, but instead of you sacking your things, you're sacking the things that you just got from your opponent that they sacked or and or discarded. Mm-hmm. So it's just a vicious cycle. Um, in the enchantments, there are four bitter blossoms, black one, tribal enchantment fairy, beginning of your upkeep, lose a life, and make a 1-1 black fairy rogue creature with flying. And then, this is an interesting card, uh, court of ambition, black black, uh, there's a four of a bitter blossom, uh, court of ambition, black black two, enchantments, when it enters the battlefield, you're the monarch. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses three life unless they discard a card. If you're the monarch, instead the opponent loses six life unless they discard two cards. So this is just like, this is like the rack on crack. Yes, it is, sir. Yes, it is. (laughs) That should be the name. The rack on crack. Like, Court of Ambition is dealing the damage that the rack would be doing. But you're sacking permanence. Like, you're putting, like, does the rack have smallpox effects, typically? Uh, The rack does run smallpox. Oh, it does. Okay, so yeah. So I was about to say, this is like mashing smallpox and the rack together. But if... Rack does have smallpox. This is just like rack on crack then. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah the, why do you think I like this? I, I clicked on it and I'm like, Turgrid Legacy, let's look at this. I'm like, oh, oh, this is sick. You can definitely get a turn one Turgrid. There's an ancient tomb. There are four ancient tomb in the in the main board lands. So four of those, mm-hmm. which it taps to add colors to your mana pool and deals two damage to you. Three castle Lockthwains. Enters taps unless you have a swamp. Adds a black. You pay one black black. Draw a card. Lose life. You can put a number of cards in your hand. Two Phyrexian Towers. You pay, tap sack a creature. Add black black to your mana pool. 
uh, 11 swamps and two urborgs urborgs and says late game are very good because it stops the ancient tomb from eating your life if you don't need that colorless anymore yep so on to the sideboard sideboard here is pretty interesting i like it yeah it's surprising so, uh, that it's like not the not the level of karin wish package sideboard that you'd expect but you know it still it does a good job all that you need <laughs> yeah i was gonna say but it doesn't need that much with everything that it got here though. yep okay so first off we have four copies of chalice of the void xx artifact chalice of the void enters the battlefield with x charge counters on it Whenever a player casts a spell with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on Chalice of the Void, counter that spell. It's got two copies of Ensnaring Bridge, a three mana artifact. Each creature with power greater than the number of cards in your hand cannot attack. It's a good solid card. Imagine that there's two because that way you can at least have one in the main board, game two, and you can right, still and tutor you can it out. For one, two. Yeah. yeah. Just to be able to like have it in your opening hand, get it out sooner than having to wait on a Karn necessarily. But you can get out Karn pretty pretty quick too with Ancient Tomb and Dark Ritual. So maybe it's not right. that big of a deal. Maybe it's just because you know there's more artifact. Like I think Ancient Grudge is a big thing that gets played in Legacy as an artifact removal. Could be wrong, but having two Insurian Bridges stops you from getting dink stomped by a fast deck because. The way this deck looks is you're you're losing a good chunk of life some of the time. Right. Bitter Blossoms, Smallpox, uh, Ancient Tombs. Mm-hmm. So next up we have three copies of Leyline of the Void. Uh, for two black black, you get an enchantment. If Leyline of the Void is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. If a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. How does that and work with Tear Grid? See, now is there is is there a timing restrictions or a layers thing with that that's more complex? Because the way it looks with tier grid is it needs to be in the graveyard. Because in, in the text is like you may put that card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Right. I was also wondering that too. Uh, so that must be for certain matchups, is my guess. Right. Maybe that's why the, the three there's three in there is to swap out with tier grid. Like tier grid is not going to be good in a graveyard heavy matchup like i don't know what good graveyard deck tier grids well i mean tier grid is going to be filling up your opponent's graveyard so i guess it's understandable you don't want you'd rather not be getting their things and just exiling their stuff then so yeah i imagine it's just like a complete swap out leyland of the void for tier grid there right something like that so then we have a single copy of liquid metal coating uh for two two mana you get an artifact with tap, target permanent becomes an artifact in addition to its other types until end of turn. So this with Karn is gross. Blows up your lands. Yep, targets lands. You can blow up lands. It's good stuff. It was a thing. It's still a thing in modern. Yes, it is. But this one is not a thing in modern anymore. Nope. Next up is Mycosynth Lattice. For six mana, you get an artifact. All permanents are artifacts in addition to their other types. All cards that aren't on the battlefield, spells, and permanents are colorless, and players may spend mana as though it were mana of any color. So this, paired with Karn, basically turns your whole board off. You can't do shit. But there mm-hmm. has to be something in... Well, I mean, if... Yeah, I don't know. Clearly, you're going to be utilizing this way better because you got it. 
than your opponents. It shuts your opponents down. So, and they're going to have like no cards, no board. It's just going to be like an almost auto scoop at that point. Mm-hmm. So then you got two plague engineers, which is a good sideboard card that I love. Uh, Me too. Two and, a, two and a black. You get a two-two creature that's a carrier has death touch. As plague engineer enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures of the chosen type your opponents control get neg one, neg one. And then it looks like we have the fourth copy of Smokestack in the sideboard. Most likely and in there just to be able to grab it with Karn. Right. And then a single Tormod's Crypt. Zero mana. Artifact. Activated ability. Tap. Sacrifice. Tormod's Crypt. Exile all cards from target player's graveyard. This is going to be game one picks most of the time. I mean, game two as well. Like... With Karn, if you're running against game one, running against a, a graveyard deck, and you need something, you need you need to take care of that graveyard. This is it. Karn it out. Right. This deck looks sick. <laughs> I love it. The two court of ambitions is is lulzy for sure, but the interactions that this deck has to where you can get a turn one tier grid out is pretty stupid. Right. Because as soon as that happens, it's like, uh, what do you do? Because your opponent cracks a fetch land. Like, you're on the play, you get triggered out turn one, and their first play is a is a, uh, a fetch land. They're, you're getting the land back. So that's really cool. And this deck is really awesome. It's $1,000, 74 decks, according to, uh, according to Moxfield. I imagine you can... Pr- probably shave some money somewhere in here let's take a look at cards smokestacks it's going to be hard to uh it's going to be hard to like change like this is all what the deck does uh the bitter blossoms i mean maybe you change i don't know if you like change those for the amass the amass one from war of the spark as a cheaper version maybe that'll save you some amount of money there because it's Bitter Blossom is still forty bucks a piece, but when, when you're playing in Legacy, it's one of those you kind of gotta pay it. So I don't know if if that's the case. Uh, Dreadhorde Invasion, that's the card. So yeah, if you ch- uh, Dreadhorde Invasion as a replacement for Bitter Blossom to try and save some money, but you really need the creatures. I feel the Karn package is needed. Liliana maybe could be. Ugh, I really don't want to say that it could be skimped on. But if you want to save money to get yourself a starter packet or a starter, uh, your foot into the door, Thoughtseize can be definitely traded for Inquisitions. That'll save you. That'll save you uh, thirty bucks. Uh, Liliana's could be Davriel's maybe as the, the the budget version. Yeah. But you definitely need. It's unfortunate you need the opposition agents. You need the terror grids because it's like the key part of this deck. I mean, just change the Phyrexian Towers, I guess, to Swamps in the end of it. Urborg. Urborg's kind of needed to help you not get attacked. So, yeah. You can you could probably shave off a couple hundred bucks from this. Make it around the $800 range at best. But it's Legacy. What do you expect? Right. So, JB, any closing thoughts on this deck? Ooh, wait. There's a Considering tab. Oh, do they have a Considering considering tab have a considering with 10 cards okay so they're considering a blood ghast black black two one 
can't block has haste as long as the opponent has 10 or less life landfall when the land enters you can return from a graveyard to the battlefield then they got three blood chiefs thirst yes the uh, card from Zendikar Ryzen, single black sorcery, destroy creature planeswalker CMC two or less. If the spell was kicked, destroy target creature planeswalker instead. And the kicker wow. is uh, black two. How did I not know this was a card? Sinkhole? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Legacy only, though. Right, and that's kind of what I figured. It's probably why I didn't know about it. Sinkhole, black, black, sorcery, destroy target land. Good stuff. And it looks like they got a single grim monolith. For two mana, you get an artifact. Grim Monolith does not untap during your untap step. You tap it, add three colorless mana to your mana pool. And for four mana, you untap it. So I'm wondering why they're running a Grim Monolith. Yeah, like what's, what are you doing to get the ramp super good? Like you don't do anything with Tanglewire here. At the beginning of, yeah, because Tanglewire is the next card. Maybe Tanglewire interacts with it in a way that we're not thinking of. Three colorless artifact fading for this artifact enters the battlefield before fade counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a fade counter. If you can't, you sacrifice it. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player taps an untapped artifact creature or land he or she controls for each fade counter on it. So yeah, no, that doesn't help with Grim, Mon- Grim Monolith. I don't know why they put it, put the Grim Monolith in the considering. The only thing I can think of is maybe uh, Ancient Tomb and Phyrexian Tower. Guess that's only a one shot to get it back that's four mana to untap this you so you tap right. this get three pay that to untap it get six so you go up two mana i guess kind of like a castle garenbrig ish moment where it's like castle garenbrig where you pay five mana to get six ramps you out a little sooner and maybe it's like a karn thing since it's only a one of right yeah i don't know but then there's a single uh wasteland Adds Carlos, and then you sack it to destroy target non-basic land. Right, because it doesn't like wasteland. Yeah, it's a legacy staple. It's a defining piece of legacy. Right. No, I like it. I really think I might try and proxy this up. Right. I imagine the moto price on this as well is super ch- cheap. Um, yes, according to Moxfield, it has an estimated ticket cost of 557 ticks. So that's not terrible. No, not at all. Where do you oh. see that? How do you, how do you get that? You hover over the the price. Hover your mouse over the price. It has uh, USD, UR, EUR, ticks, and then wild cards, which don't know why that's relevant, but <laughs> relevant right. nonetheless. So, final thoughts on this deck. I like it. Me too. This is a good choice. One hundred percent good choice. If you got a mana traders account. With your mana traders account, can you do you got enough cred for to make this deck, or you got a? No, nope. I've got the base account, so <sighs> I only have 110 tick limit. But anyways, we'll talk about that at another point because you guys have made it to the end of the episode. Holy crap! Thank you all, you legendary magic folk, for making it to the end of this episode. This is a long episode because reasons. Uh, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and any other place where better podcasts can be found. You can watch the podcast live on YouTube and Twitch where we stream. Uh, follow, subscribe, so that way you get notifications when that happens. 
And you can follow us on the social medias, uh, ranging from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We post and share important magic news and other important things that are happening that we don't cover in the podcast sometimes because this podcast gets long <laughs> like this. There's, there's probably some news that we missed as well. We'll share it up in there. Another good place to follow us is on our Discord. That is where we share deck ideas, round up people for spell table games. We discuss things all, all discuss all things magic there as well show off some cool things uh there's a minecraft server we get together with some friends play minecraft on occasions i posted a thing in pokemon so if pokemon goes a thing that that tickles your fancy we have a community here that can get ignited hopefully at some point uh if none of those if, if you guys don't want to use any of those things you can also send us an email at thisweekendmtg at gmail.com those are the best places to hit us up for your guys' comments questions concerns feedback of any type we appreciate it all we are striving to be your guys' source for all things magic the gathering we want to keep expanding the podcast uh, as jb was saying we'd love to do some streaming uh we are set up for it we just got to get schedules and stuff down we have busy lives there's no doubt about that but Yes. And then finally, make sure to go and send any amount of love that you guys got over to J-Dub Sports Cards and Gaming for any magic purchase, whether it be magic cards, magic uh, sealed product, playmats, all that jazz. They're there for you. Now, you got anything else to add to this, JB? Nope. Nope. I think you got it. Oh, man. Well, we are there. We are at the end. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week. See ya. It's pronounced Deer Tay. French onion sop.